a slave boy who somehow lands the job of his life as the assistant to the most powerful man in the community. Boy grows up and continues to be the assistant to the boss man. Does a few things the boss tells him to do. Boss eventually dies and slave boy turned assistant gets put in charge. Would you follow that boy? Would you have followed that man? An entire people group once did. And to anybody who hears that oversimplified version of this kid's life, they're thinking to themselves, that people group did what? Maybe there's more to this story. Let's pray. Father, I know that I have been asking you, Tim has been asking you, Heather's been asking you all week, what is it you want to say to First Church this morning? What is it you want to communicate with the people who walk through these doors, whether new or long-timers? God, we've been trying to make sure that whatever was prepped, whatever was planned, whatever was prepared was first done after listening to you. So I ask, Lord, that this morning you speak loudly, whether you already have or whether you will do so now or whether you'll do so later in the day. May we hear what you want to say. We ask that you guard and protect our time as we open up your word to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. They did what? This is the overarching title of the series that we are beginning today, a series looking at the Israelite people at one of the most pivotal times in their young history as God's chosen people. We begin a series in the Old Testament books of Joshua and Judges, and all through this story, we're going to be looking at what the Israelite people did, the highs and the lows. The joys and the pains, the successes and the failures, and many times we will probably exclaim, they did what? As we look at this story, even though we are like separated by several thousand years, my guess is we're going to come to realize that our stories today have a lot in common with the Israelite people many thousand years ago. So turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. It's the sixth book of the Bible. If you don't know where that is, turn to the front and start going right. Now as you get there, I'm going to give a little backstory, a little history that brings us up to speed of Joshua chapter 1. See, Scripture begins with God speaking and some pretty amazing things happening. The creation story concluded with God making a mud pie. Right, forming it into this, this character and then breathing his life breath into it. He called that being Adam. Later made a second being Eve. And the two of them lived in perfect relationship with each other and with God in the Garden of Eden, just as God had intended it to be. One day, Adam and Eve made a choice. We call it sin. We call it evil. And from that day forward, God knew that evil had to be expelled. It had to be expelled from the garden and from God's presence. From that day on all the way up to today, God has been and will be in the business of expelling evil from his presence and trying to return things back to how he wanted them to be, us in relationship with him. 
As you know, the story goes on and evil continued to grow. It got so bad that God decided, I need to start over. I need to have a mulligan. I need to to have a reboot. Evil needed to be cleansed. So God sent a flood. He saved one family unit. So Noah and his entire family got a chance to start the narrative again. Fast forward many years and you see God reaching down to a man named Abram. And he says to him, you, Abram, you will be the beginning of my special people. A people designed to show the world what it means to be in right relationship with me. So go. Go to this land that I will give you. I promise to give you this land. Fast forward again. Abram is renamed Abraham. Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, one of whom is, whom, one of whom is named Joseph, who gets sold into slavery by his brothers, ends up in Egypt, and ends up saving not only Egypt, but all the surrounding areas from a great famine. Joseph's family who is descendants of this man named Abram, who God said, you're my special people, ended up being invited into the land of Goshen in the country of Egypt. They had some uh, pretty amazing fertility in that family because the family grew from around 70 to around 2 million. And that's because God was blessing them. Now the Pharaoh, the leaders of Egypt, looked around and said, oh, we got to do something here because if this family kind of turns against us, it could be bad news for us. So they enslaved the Israelite people. And for 400 plus years, these people were under the oppression of the Pharaohs. 400 plus years, there was a lot of slave babies that were born. And 400 years later, a guy with the last name of Nun. N-U-N, had a slave boy that he named Yeshua, Joshua. I wonder if Mr. Nun had any idea what his little boy would grow up to be. You see, we know parts of the story. We know that God called this man named Moses, spoke through this burning bush, tells Moses, go to Egypt, tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. We know there was a whole bunch of plagues, there was a lot of chaos, and eventually Moses walked out of Egypt with two million people, free people. Now somewhere along that process, somewhere along that story, a little boy named Yeshua gets placed as assistant to Moses. We know this because Numbers chapter 11, verse 28 says, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, a slave boy, gets the job of his life as assistant to the most powerful man in the community. And time passes again. Next time we see Joshua, he is a grown man, a man of fighting age. Moses calls him out to lead this battle squad against the people called the Amalekites. You remember the story? Moses and two others, a man named Hur, H-U-R, and Moses' brother Aaron went on top of a hill to watch this battle being led by Joshua. Anytime Moses' hands were up, the Israelite Israelite people would be winning. Anytime Moses' hands went down, defeat would start to take place. So Aaron and Hur had to hold Moses' hands up for most of the day just so the Israelite people being led by Joshua would defeat the Amalekites. And that's what happened. Exodus chapter 17 and following. Joshua, Moses' assistant, continued doing things, whatever things Moses told him to do. And he must have made an impression on Moses because Moses chose him amongst 12 million people, him and 11 others, to go into the land to spy it out the first time they were on the edge about to enter in. 
Joshua and his friend Caleb came back and they said, this land rocks. Let's go. It's awesome. God's going to give it to us. The other ten slaves said, did you see the size of those guys that lived there? They were big. And their walls were fortified. There's absolutely no way we can take this. Joshua and Caleb says, no, we can't. God will give it to us. Let's go. The Israelite people were not yet ready to listen to this slave boy turned assistant. Because they started talking about stoning him and Caleb. They picked up stones and God had to intervene in this bright and miraculous way. If you don't know that story, it's in Numbers chapter 14. God, to say the least, was a little bit put out. He was ticked. And he told Moses, you know what? Anybody over 20 years old is not going to get to go into the promised land. So God's people wandered. A generation died. And a new generation arose. And apparently this time, they were a little more willing to accept the leadership of this slave boy turned, uh, turned assistant. We'll see this in Joshua chapter 1. Before we see this, though, we have to ask the question. Was Joshua ready to lead? Was he ready to take this mantle of leadership? A slave boy turned assistant to the most powerful, influential man in the community. See, Moses and the Lord had done all they could to prepare him, to encourage him. Listen to Numbers chapter 27, verse 12 and following. One day the Lord said to Moses, Climb one of the mountains east of the river and look out over the land that the people that I will give the people of Israel. After you have seen it, you will die like your brother Aaron, for you both rebelled against my instructions in the wilderness of Zin. When the people of Israel rebelled, you failed to demonstrate my holiness to them at the waters. These are the waters of Meribah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. So then Moses says to the Lord, O Lord, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Please appoint a new man as leader for the community. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle so that the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. That was Moses' prayer. The Lord replied, Take Joshua. Son of Nun, who has the Spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Present him to Eleazar the priest before the whole community, and publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him, so the whole community of Israel will obey him. When direction from the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before Eleazar the priest, who will use the Urim, one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord, to determine his will. And this is how Joshua and the rest of the community of Israel will determine everything they should do. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. He presented Joshua to Eleazar the priest and the whole community. Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people, just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. You know, after this, Moses was still alive. So the full mantle of leadership had not yet fully passed to Joshua. And Moses and the Lord continued to encourage and prepare Joshua as best as they could. Deuteronomy 1, verse 38, Instead, your assistant, God told this to Moses, your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will lead the people into the land. Encourage him. For he will lead Israel as they take possession of it. 
A few chapters later, Moses says to Joshua, At that time I gave Joshua this charge. You have seen for yourself everything the Lord your God has done to those two kings. He will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side of the Jordan. Do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. Joshua had to take some encouragement in that, yes? A lot happened between Deuteronomy 3 and Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses called to Joshua. And all Israel watched. And he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead all Israel into the land that the Lord swore to give their ancestors. You are the one who will divide it amongst them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you, and he will be with you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. Moses said this to Joshua. Listen to what the Lord said to Joshua a few verses later. Chapter 31, verse 23. Then the Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, with these words. Be strong and courageous, for you must bring the people of Israel into the land I swore to give them. I will be with you. Moses then prepares and sings this song to the community. Deuteronomy chapter 32. He blesses the people, Deuteronomy chapter 33, and then he goes up on the mountain that God told him to go up onto to look over the promised land that he will not be able to go into, and God took him home, Deuteronomy chapter 34. This is where we land at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan into the land I am giving them. My guess is that at that time, Joshua was thinking, oh my goodness gracious, this mess just got real. Was Joshua ready? Was Joshua scared? The last time Joshua suggested going into the land to the people of Israel, they picked up stones to kill him. And God just told him, go and tell the people again it's time to go. Was he ready? Was he scared? Did he need a little bit of a nudge off that cliff we call leadership? I love what God did to encourage him. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. God says to to, to Joshua, I promise you what I promised Moses. Let that sink in. I promise you what I promised Moses. Hey, slave boy turned assistant turned leader. I promise you the same thing I promised the most revered leader Israel has ever had. I promise you the same thing I promised the most revered prophet Israel has ever had. Joshua, I promise you the same thing I promised the guy who will one day be played by Charlton Heston in the theaters. I promise you the same thing. Listen to what he promised him. Verses 3 through 5. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. 
God was saying, look, Joshua, this gift of land that I promised your ancestor Abraham years and years and years ago, I'm about to give it to you. It's my gift to you. Here's the gift. Cross the river. Take it. I'll be with you each step of the way. Here's the gift. Take, cross the river and take it. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Now, God had already told Joshua that in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 23. But I imagine Joshua heard it a little bit more clearly now that Moses was dead. So verse 5 again, imagine hearing God say this to Joshua. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. So here's my command to you, young man. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Did you hear God's words to Joshua? Be strong. Be courageous. I am going to be with you. Now, the way I read this in 2014 is this. Moses, this great man of God, dies. Joshua gets the, the, the mantle of leadership, and he's given a promise by God. I will be with you. Now then God gives Joshua a command. Be strong and courageous with a reminder of the promise that he had just been given. And in the middle of that command, God says, Joshua, look, I'm going to give you instructions on how to fulfill that command. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Hey, slave boy turned sergeant, want to know how to lead courageously? Follow what I told your mentor. Study the words he wrote down. Meditate on them. I love it because the word meditate can mean mutter. Mutter. So I picture Joshua just slightly nervous that he's about to cross this big river, enter into a land with fortified walls and really tall people, and he's about to take his wandering group of nomads who learned to, who learned to fight with rakes, right, into this land. And I imagine him saying, okay, God's telling me to mutter. Oh, Lord God, oh, Lord. Carefully, constantly absorb the word of the Lord. Don't stray from it to the right or the left. Don't stray from the right. God says, if you do this, I'll give you success. As Americans, we hear that word success, and you want to know what we think? Military victory. Hordes and hordes of stuff. No defeat. Safety from the enemies. It sounds a little bit like, okay, let's read the Bible. Let's memorize the Bible. You'll be healthy and wealthy. You want to know what that word success means in the Hebrew? It means to be prudent, to act wisely. Hey, Joshua, study this word of the Lord. And if you do, you will be prudent and you'll be able to act wisely. And you know what? That's what I call success, God says. Hey, slave boy turned leader, I am always with you. 
I will make you successful in this definition of the word. As long as you are word-centric, Torah-centric. We would call it Bible-centric. Act prudently. Act wisely. This is success, God says. And he finishes that up with, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So what happens next? What does Joshua do? You know, he's heard this promise numerous times already. And I think that if you hear something enough times, you begin to believe it and you begin to listen. And that's what Joshua did. Joshua grabbed a hold of the God-given promise, the God-given command, the God-given instructions, and the reminder of where God would be in the process. And Joshua led. Verse 10, Joshua then... Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go to the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Did you hear it? Did you hear the echoes? Maybe not because they haven't even had time to go around and come back yet. Do you remember what God told Joshua? I have this gift cross over and take it. I'm going to give it to you, right? What did Joshua then tell the leaders? Second half of verse 11, in three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Well, know how Joshua led? He took what God told him and he told the people who was in his charge, do this. Joshua just keeps going to an even larger group of people. Listen again for some echoes. Verse 12 through 15. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and he told them, Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you? The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. Your wives, your children, your livestock, they may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River, but your strong warriors fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has given you rest, and until they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned you. Did you hear the echoes? Did this larger group of people cross over, take it, God will give it to you. At one point, the people of God were nowhere near ready to follow this slave boy turned assistant. But then this slave boy turned assistant turned man in charge was appointed and anointed by God and something changed. The people's response to him changed. I imagine as he was talking to these people, you could hear the rushing waters of the Jordan River behind them. You might be able to see the walls of Jericho fortified. You might be able to hear in the far distance some faint taunts of the people there. And Joshua, slave boy turned assistant turned sergeant, says, let's go. God told us to cross. It's his gift to us. And he's going to be with us. This time their response was not to pick up stones and try and kill him. Listen to their response. Oh, this is amazing. They answered Joshua, verse 16. We will do whatever you command us to do. We will go wherever you command us to go. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses. And may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. 
anyone who rebels against you and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. Does that sound like anything we have heard before? Thank you. Yes. Every once in a while on a Sunday morning, I'll ask a question. It's usually yes. Okay. Listen to what they responded to Joshua, the man that they once tried to stone and God had to intervene. They said, we will do whatever you tell us to do. We'll go wherever you tell us to go. And may God be with you just as he was with Moses. Be strong and courageous. Do you hear the echoes in that? Yes, thank you. Yahweh be with you. Be strong and courageous. It's what the people told Joshua. God will be with you. Be strong and courageous. It's what Moses told Joshua. I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. It's what God told Joshua. So this slave boy turned assistant, turned sergeant, most important man in the community, grows up and is ready to lead. And the people in chapter 1 are ready and willing to follow. So what does this mean to us today? Great story, Pastor, but where's the application, right? As I read this, I saw three very practical ways, ways that are not new. They're not new applications, but we need to be reminded of them over and over again. First application is this. God in Jesus Christ is still telling us to be strong and full of courage. He is still telling us to be courageous. When Jesus came to the disciples on that stormy night walking on water, remember what he told the disciples? Matthew chapter 14. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. When the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years kind of weaseled her way up and touched the fringe of Jesus' robe and she was healed, Jesus turned around and found her. And do you know what he said to her? Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. When Jesus was talking about this this terribly difficult to understand concept of how the Father had sent him to his disciples, do you remember what he told them? John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but have courage because I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying the same thing to us today. Be strong and courageous. Second practical takeaway from our story today, God still promises to be with us every step of the way. All we got to do is think back to last week, the end of the study of Hebrews. Remember that? Hebrews 13, verse 5, God says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And we looked at the last thing Jesus said as he was being ascended to heaven. Be sure of this. I am with you. How often? Always. Even to the ends of the age. God promised Joshua multiple times that he would be with him. He would be with them like he was with Moses, and he would stay with them every step of the way. God makes that same promise to us today through Jesus Christ. Finally, I think the same words of instruction that God gave Joshua as to what it would take to be successful are words that apply to us today. Listen to them again. Do not deviate from the words in this book. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything that is written in it. Only then will you be able to act prudently 
Now, will you be able to act wisely? And then God will say, there's my successful kid. The call for us is to be people of the book. To be people that are scripture-centered, and in being so, we will be Christ-centered. Because when you search these, you cannot help but find the Christ in there. Speaking of being scripture-centered, there's a pastor in Portland by the name of Chuck Bomar. He's an uh, author of many books and a very well-sought-after speaker. Somebody asked him once, what's your definition of spiritual growth? And he responded, spiritual growth is when the time it takes you to read scripture and embrace it is lessened. Spiritual growth is when the time it takes you to read Scripture and embrace it and live it when that time is lessened. So immerse yourself in God's Word. Think on it. Mutter about it. Study it. Seek Jesus in it, and you will find Him in there. And if you do these three things, I guarantee somebody at some point in your life is going to look at you and say, they did what? Practical takeaways from this morning's story. In your bulletin, there's a little insert that has three questions that I found in Dale Davis's commentary on Joshua. Those three questions are this. In what ways has God reassured you of his presence of never leaving you nor forsaking you? Second one, how does the centrality of God's word make a difference in your life? Or maybe we could ask it, is God's word central in your life? A third question, what particular promises of God has caused you to hang on in the midst of the impossible? I want to invite you guys to take these questions home. Talk to somebody about them. Talk to your kids about them. Talk to your friends about them over lunch, over dinner. Shoot an email to somebody with these with your response. If, and if you want, attach me to that. I'd love to hear how you're wrestling through this. I think we all would find encouragement in moving beyond just hearing it into acting on it. So from slave boy to sergeant, would you have followed this kid? Would you have followed that Man, the story will continue next week. Let's stand. I want to pray. We're going to sing one more song, and then we'll all go downstairs. We'll help set up some tables and chairs, and we will eat because we do that well. Let's pray. Lord God, what a reminder this morning as we start a new series that you can take the most unexpected people and use them in mighty ways. God, is there a Joshua among us this morning? Is there one who will rise up and lead your people in ways that the church has not been led? If that's the case, prepare that person, man or woman, boy or girl. And God, maybe our call is not to be the Joshuas, the leaders of great communities, but maybe our call is to just seek you, is to remember that you are with us, is to remember to have courage in our conversations with our coworkers and our neighbors and our spouses and our kids. Maybe our call, Lord, this morning is just to spend more time in your word seeking after you. Not so that we can say we read it and check off a list, but so that we can hear your heart to us. God, what are you trying to tell us this morning? I ask your guidance on the rest of this series. I don't want to go anywhere you're not taking us. So, Lord, help me to hear well. And, God, while I'm praying, I want to thank you for the food that we're going to eat in just a little bit. Bless it, nourish it to our bodies. Thank you for providing it for us. And, God, may the words of this next song ring true in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. That's my prayer this week, is that we would find ourselves letting the Word of God speak to us. If you're a kid and you fill out a a kid's bulletin, come grab me. It's got three pieces of, uh, we got three pieces of candy with your name on it up in my office. Uh, If you're an adult that can move at all, we'd love your help setting up some tables and chairs downstairs. Uh, Hey, do you mind being in charge of that? Let's go enjoy each other. Ask them how their summer went. Ask them what they're looking forward to most this week. Uh, Ask them one of the questions in your bulletin insert. And this week, may God bless you and protect you. May he smile upon you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen Amen. and amen.